0: Okay. Well, we uh, we want to continue on this morning, looking at the Beatitudes, looking at that uh, first message or part of that message of Christ, which we call the Sermon on the Mount. Um, just before I do that, um, Daniel. Thomas is preaching tonight and I want to encourage you if you're able to get along tonight um, that would be a wonderful encouragement to Daniel um, as well. Okay, let's uh, have a look at the scriptures. Is that okay? Um, Thank you, Rosemary. So let's have a look at Matthew 5 and it's verses 1 to 10. Now when he saw the crowds... Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you. When people insult you, persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before them. Well, last Sunday we kicked off our series of sermons and studies um, on the Sermon of the Mount. Um, and we looked at the first few Beatitudes. I hope that, um, that as you've been coming together uh, just during the week and perhaps having a look at the studies, you found them helpful and beneficial. I, I want to encourage you if you're a part of a home group that you actually do the study before you attend the home group. That way you've already sat with it for a while and you've been able to look at the questions and answer the questions and I firmly believe that discussion flows so much easier in the group if that little bit of homework is done. And I suggested um, in the home group that Marianne leads and the one that Robin and I attend... um, that you you make it part of your quiet time. You can just use that material, those studies and those questions, just as part of your quiet time, and um, and that way you soak yourself in, not just to come on a Sunday and hear the the, the preaching, but you actually soaking in it. And I find the more that you stay in something. Uh, the more alert your heart and your mind is to the Spirit of God, and so He's able to speak, um, and you, you're able to hear a little bit clearer um, as you meditate upon it. So I want to encourage you to do that, and I'm really confident that that uh, that as we move deeper into this great sermon, and don't forget the the Beatitudes are only the, the beginning of. The sermon that, as we continue on and journey and keep our focus on our Lord Jesus Christ, that, that we will be blessed that 's god 's intention, and this is what Jesus um, said last week, and uh, uh, sorry, this is what we looked at last week that it 's god 's intention to bless to bless us and no uh, sure way, I guess in receiving that blessing from God is to activate in our lives this teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ I also said that it's challenging my goodness gracious me it is so challenging um, and that's why it's, it's great discipleship teaching uh, because Jesus made it very clear didn't he if we're going to be his disciples um, there's, there's great responsibility in that and it's, it's a call to a life that is in, in some ways incredibly dangerous if we're living that life. So uh, I just believe that we, uh, God will bless us, he will motivate us more um, and uh, we'll be encouraged. I, again, I just want to stress, church, keep your eyes on Jesus Okay The teaching is wonderful And we can sit here And we can bathe in all of that teaching And we can say yes amen And oh that's really good But keep your eyes Not on just on what was said But on who said it Okay The most important thing Jesus is everything Isn't he He really is He's everything to you He's everything to me and that we would always approach His Word, the very things that He said. And this morning in my quiet time, it was in John 8, and Jesus says to um, His disciples and people who are listening that His words are spirit and they are life. Wow. Wow. So it's not just words on a piece of paper or in a book that we're reading here and meditating upon this morning. Rather, they're the words of Christ and His words are spirit. They speak into the heart. They speak into the spirit, your spirit and my spirit. That's why when we hear the word our hearts begin to pulsate and our hearts begin to come alive to the Word because they are spirit. And Christ's words speak into our hearts, into our spirit. They're spirit and they're life. When we live by the words of Christ, the Word of God, we find life. And this is what this great sermon is all about. Jesus said, as he moved into this sermon, you are the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. And last week in my introduction, I said, you know, God's purpose for us when we were saved is that He would so fill us. That He would so fill us. That He would so reign in our lives. That people would see God shining through. Showing through. You are the light of the world. Now Jesus is the light. John said that. He is the true light that came into the world that enlightens every man. He is the true light and we are reflectors of him. The moon does not have its own light. It reflects the sun. And yet at night we look at it and sometimes, truly, it can be so bright you've actually got to turn your face away from it because it really can be quite bright. But it reflects a greater light and that's the sun. You and I are the light of the world, but we reflect a greater light of the one who dwells and lives within us. Christ, who is the light of all men. He enlightens every person that comes to Him. And so uh, that God would shine through us. Pardon me. I'm sure that's your desire. That is surely what you want. That Christ would be seen in me and through me by how I live and what I say and how I conduct myself the kind of life that I live would reflect the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. I would say amen and amen and amen to that. And so last week I concluded this first section by reminding us that when Christ shines through us, people will see humility blessed are the poor in spirit they would see humility in us and they would see a heartfelt repentance as well and that they would see a strength under control a gentle strength but a strength under control a blessed of the meek strength under control next week I'm going to be talking about how to deal with anger. And I know that, that sometimes we, we can excuse ourselves by saying, well, that's just who I am. You know, that's the Irish in me <laughs> or whatever. But blessed are the meek. And if you and I are meek, then we have strength under control. We are under the control of the Holy Spirit. Self discipline, self control, the fruit of the Spirit. Now, brothers and sisters, I'm not here to make any of you, including myself, feel guilty that we cannot reach the mark. None of us can. We need the grace and the help of the Holy Spirit and God has given to us His Holy Spirit to live and to dwell within us that we might follow our Lord Jesus Christ and live a life that attracts the world to us. So my question this morning then is how can you, how can I be a powerful, a good influence for Christ in the world, in the community, in the society in which we live? And how does God show through us to influence others? That's what we'll look at quickly now. How does that happen? Well, the remainder of the Beatitudes will tell us that and, and I'm not going to go through all of those Beatitudes as well. I'm just going to take two of them and then I want to talk a little bit about what... A, Uh, Has the church lost its influence? I want to challenge us to think about that. Has the church lost its influence in the world? Firstly, and sorry guys, I had all the slides done and I thought that I put them on this little sucker here, this little blighter, and I didn't. So, Rosemary, when I gave it to her, she said, I'm not there. So, I'm really sorry. So, without um, um, overheads uh, today. So, Jesus said, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. Now, the first work that's needed in you and me, this is the inner work. This is the work that takes place within us is that of mercy. What does Jesus mean? Well, being merciful is not simply being emotionally moved by what we see or what we hear by a story or, or some catastrophic human disaster or tragedy. Because every night we can be moved. Every night we can sit in front of you know, channel 10 or channel 9 or channel 7 news and be moved by the plight of what's happening with people in our world. But that's not mercy. We can weep and cry over this situation. That's not being merciful. Rather, mercy is about compassion and sympathy and kindness. Joy. (laughs) That's some some joining. (laughs) Join. This thing just keeps doing that, doesn't it? Join together with this desire to relieve the suffering of people. It's mercy. This would have been on the overhead. It's mercy, which equals pity plus action. You've got to have the action You've got to have the action. And the Good Samaritan, I think, is a very good example of that. And again, if you look up on the screen, you'll see the reading. (laughs) But if you have your Bible with you, have a look at Luke 10 and 25 to 37. Now, all of us are fairly familiar with this story, uh, this parable that Jesus told about how, you know, a man is on a journey and how he's attacked by robbers and he's left for dead. He's, he's basically stripped of everything and he's just left for dead. And as the day goes on, various people pass by. We have a, 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 a scribe and a, and a teacher and, uh, you know, they're... Not too concerned, they're more worried about their own safety and about themselves and what other people will think about. Of course, this poor person is beaten to a pulp, he's left there already, the vultures are circling, but it's none of their concern, really. Did they feel emotionally, uh, you know, sympathetic towards this man I'm sure they did they probably said this poor guy look at him my goodness but they just kept walking and so then Jesus introduces a Samaritan the most unlikely person Uh, in the whole of the story who comes by and not is only moved in his heart but he takes the sympathy and the pity and the compassion and then he expresses that in an action and he goes over and as you know the story, how he attends to this man and how he... uh, binds up his wounds and how he places him upon his own donkey and takes him to an inn and then tells the innkeeper look look after this man and if you spend any more money than I'm giving you now I'll pay you when I come back this way again And so he goes on his way. And of course you remember that was a a very long answer that Jesus gave to one of the Pharisees I think it was who came up and wanted to justify himself and ask the question, so who is my neighbour? And so Jesus tells him this story and so this is what Jesus says, this is the clincher. At the end of it, go and do likewise go and do. You see, he's saying it's not enough just to see and to look. You've got to go and you've got to do. Well, I think that... Well, I praise God for the ministry of Jenny and the Catalyst team. This is a wonderful ministry that's been birthed in this church. The danger for us is that we leave that to Jenny and the team and we go, oh, we're doing our bit. I also praise God that Catalyst, Jenny and the team are always bringing before us, always putting before us those great needs of, of the suffering of, of children who are being trafficked um, for the sex industry, for the plight of... Of um, rescue, destiny, rescue. rescue, that's it, destiny, rescue, um, for uh, a number of different things that require us not only to be moved, but to do something about it. You, church, you're an amazing church. I see great mercy in this church. Great mercy, I saw it when 37 kids were sponsored by you through compassion. See, it wasn't enough to see that, those videos, man alive. I mean, I heard you all. All the sound effects all over the church. And at the end of it, you could have dropped a pin in the place. Deeply moved. But it wasn't enough. You had to say, I think I can do this. I've got to do something about it. It's not enough just to look at it and go, yeah, these poor children. You had to do something and you did. I want to encourage you as I would speak to myself here as well. Let's be a church that is full of mercy. You want God to bless this church and you're saying, oh, he's already blessed this church. Amen. He has. Let's get, you know, to to know even more and greater of the blessing of God as we show mercy um, and we act. You know this verse because Catalyst, I think it's probably their scriptural base for um, their ministry out of Micah 6 and verse 8 and what does the Lord require of you oh hang on for a second you mean us oh no (laughs) what does he require of you he requires you to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God oh hang on for a second here I'm seeing am I not seeing two beatitudes here am I not seeing love mercy and walk humbly blessed are the poor in spirit remember last week I said these are the values of Christ and as disciples of Christ, as followers of Christ, they should be our values too. Amen. They should be. That's what they should be. But Jesus just didn't preach this because he was looking for a, well, you know, they've got 5,000 people here. Well, you know, it's a good one. i, I better got to give them a good word, you know. Let me let me go away for a bit and think about it and then come back and, and, and bring this sermon. These ah who he is he lived this before he even preached this so these are important to him are they not therefore important to us brothers and sisters of course they are they should be they should be we you and i have received god's mercy in Christ, Paul says in Ephesians two and verse four and five. But because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even we were when we were dead in our trespasses. It is by grace that you have been saved. You see, it wasn't en- enough, is it? and we've, you've probably heard this said of me in times, it's not enough to have read God so loved the world, full stop. Because there's, there's more to it, that he gave his one and only Son. And it's not enough to read that God is rich in mercy, full stop. Because God's heart was not just moved, But he said, I've got to do something about this. I've got to get Mary Ann into relationship with me and into eternal life and blessedness with me. So what have I got to do? I've got to send my son. I've got to do something about this. And in his love for the world, he sent Jesus. Oh, God's rich in mercy. He's rich in mercy. You and I are sitting here today because He's rich in mercy. And so He asks us to do likewise. So you and I will be an influence in our world. We will be light and an influence in our society when we show mercy. Now, God will show through us, and people will see in us holiness. Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Well, this beatitude, I think, actually basically demands that we stop and examine ourselves. Oh, my goodness. That's such a hard thing to do, isn't it? To sit before God and to be totally open to him and to examine ourselves with all truthfulness and integrity. Now the Greek word for pure has a number of interesting facets. It was used for dirty clothes that had been washed clean. It was used to describe grain and flour that had been carefully sifted, cleansed of all the impurities. I think you still do that. Do we still do that? You see, I don't bake. but I, I, Do we still do that? Yeah. You, you still cleanse it. You get rid of... Yeah. And you're left with the fine of flour. And so... It has that connotation as well. It was used when describing milk or wine that had not been mixed, um, had not been kind of diluted down. So the wine was was strong and true and and the best. So this beatitude, I think, could be ta- translated: "Blessed is the person." who is genuine in heart, who is authentic, who is not a phony, because such a person will see God. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. You are the light of the world. Church, We need to be authentic. Authentic Christians. That's what we need to be. Not phonies, not those who have got one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom. We need to be in the kingdom and we need to be ministering the light of Christ and the grace of God into the world. But we need to be authentic, real. Christians that's a bell ringer isn't it (laughs) to be real Christians in the world so what kind of purity is Jesus talking about well he's, he's not just now talking about the practical outworking he's talking something internal now He's talking about a work that takes place inside. <laughs> Aren't you glad this isn't connected to a PowerPoint? Otherwise my hair would be standing on end. <laughs> what hair? Huh? Okay. So it's it's an inward work that is taking place, and the word pure literally means clean. A pure heart is a clean heart that is free from dirt. Remember last week I spoke about King David and his sin, uh, you know his uh, adulterous relationship with Bathsheba, and then his murder to Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, and when confronted by nathan of his sin he at whatever time i don't know it may have been almost immediately who knows but he writes psalm 51 and we know and love that psalm why because we so easily relate to it you know and in that in that prayer of confession he says Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Create in me a pure heart, O God. We used to sing that, didn't we? There was was a chorus. Create in me a clean heart, O God. That was the cry of David. That is what Jesus now is talking about Us. as as disciples, the kind of heart that he's looking for. It's a pure heart, but I tell you, that is so hard. Living in this world to keep a pure heart is not easy. None of it is, of course, (laughs) but this is not easy because the world is on this slippery slide into immoral decadence And let me tell you, it's taking us with it. It's taking us with it. And we must be strong. We must be careful. And we must be just not so heavily involved in all of that or get involved in all of that. Purity is the absence of dirt. Create in me, wash away all my iniquities and cleanse me from my sin. But it's more than that. Paul says we must fill our minds with Christ. He told a young Timothy. Now, people have always speculated how, Timothy, how old Timothy was. I always called him young. But young could have been 30, 35. He might have been around that age, who knows? And so Paul told Timothy, Run! from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with a pure heart. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with a, from a pure heart. John says, don't love the world, don't conform to its pattern because if you do, the love for God is not in our hearts. You see, this is why Christian community is so um, important, so vital to you and I. And that's why our hearts grieve, my heart grieves when I know and I do know many fine Christians who are not in community because there's danger out there and you and I know that and the Word of God says we've got to enjoy the companionship of those who call upon the Lord with a pure heart, run from anything and we're being continually bombarded with the filth of this world So you and I need to do whatever we can to stay away from those harmful and impure activities and it's not easy. It's not easy to have a pure heart but it can be. We can have a pure heart as we look to the Holy Spirit, as we um, uh, experience God's grace and mercy in our lives and as This word of God, this living word of God, is written on our hearts. Okay? Written on our hearts and upon our minds. And our minds are renewed. Our minds are different. You see, this is the whole, one of the, obviously, the great themes of this sermon. We're different. I'm sorry. Peter says we're a bunch of aliens. Well, when I look from here down to there, (laughs) now we're a bunch of aliens. We're not only different, we're to be different in the world. Okay, so let me summarise. God will show through us we will be an influence when mercy motivates us to become actively involved in giving relief or help or empowerment to those who are suffering or being exploited. And God will show through when we are authentic and are genuine in heart and in action and when we are examples of purity of life to a world that is immorally decadent. Um, As a young Christian, um, and this just kind of came to me now the company that I was working in they tried everything <laughs> they tried everything to get me to do what they did. Does that make sense and um, and of course i I just wouldn 't have anything to do it do with it. Like I would be in the storeroom, and then this young guy would just throw in front of me a, a a book that was just filled with pornography and stuff, and he'd go, "Oh, have a look at this!" and and I, you have to go, no! And then they would say, "Oh, you're such a goose!" and 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 then that the ridicule and the slander and the uh, the innuendos and to make fun of. Let me tell you, Jesus said, blessed are you when you are persecuted for um, Rosemary. Can you just get that second slide up, please? Um, let me just, there it is. Here we go. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Um, Verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. When we live a righteous life, you're going to be persecuted. If you're going to be salt and light in the community, they're not going to go, Oh, wow, (laughs) thank you for shining your light on all this grot. They're not going to say that. They're going to persecute you. They're going to say all kinds of things against you. They're going to insult you. But Jesus said, blessed are you. Keep shining the light. Keep shining the light. Keep being salt. And so, um, we will, God will show through when we are authentic and are genuine in heart and we are examples of purity, of life, to a world that is immorally decadent. Is that okay if I stand like this? Or? <laughs> that way I <I'll laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> I told you I got a weird sense of you. Okay. Let me just finish now um, with this thing that just teased my mind most of the week. Having looked at how to be an influence in our society, my question and my concern is this. Has the church lost or is the church in danger of losing its influence? And if so, what has contributed to that? Has it lost? Is our light going out? Is our light dimming? Um, I'm not sure who it was. Someone said, I think it might have been Steve Hodge when he preached one morning, four and a half thousand people living in in Blackheath, something like that. Um, Think of the churches this morning that are in Blackheath. Okay. How many people in those churches? Altogether, I worked out maybe if you took, um, if you took, 5% of the population of Blackheath I think it worked out like 200 and something people amongst half a dozen churches something like that 4 or 5 churches 45 people average per church has are we in danger of losing our influence in the society in the society in which we live it's, it's just such a the world is such a hard place it's, it's, it's um, so difficult for you and I to voice to be a voice in our community um, and perhaps not only is it difficult to be a voice but we're, we're not even saying anything anymore and so we're losing uh, perhaps that influence and so what might be the reasons for that well I I popped a few down a loss of passion for evangelism and a disinterest in the unsaved you know um, I'm not saying that this is, is us but I think that this is something every congregation every church us included need to think about have we just become disinterested in the unsaved? You know? I, I'm not saying we are. I'm just tossing that out. <laughs> you might want to talk about it in our groups or something or other, right? Um, perhaps Christianity is just no longer relevant to people. You know? There's just so much happening in their lives and, you know, Um it, it, it doesn't mean anything to them anymore. There are more they see more important things than their eternal welfare. Um, and also knowing that there's a huge struggle that you and I are in. Uh, and the world exerts a very strong influence. An anti-Christian influence on all um, on us, and are we losing the battle? Is the world seeping under the you know the the walls? Is is the church, is the church getting so influenced by the world? that we're losing our influence to the world? That's some of the questions. And of course, you know, I, I, I don't think this is new. Paul said to the Romans who lived in the right in the middle of all this decadency, not to conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And uh, the message puts it this way, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Maybe that's some of it. That we're becoming so well-adjusted into our culture that we're losing our light. It's dimming. Our reflecting of Christ is dimming. And I reckon there's a flip side to that. That's that's the negative side. The flip side is this, that when you and I decide to be light and salt, the world pays close attention to what we say and do. They may call us whatever, but they pay attention. I'm not saying that we, you know, that we need... Sorry, I'll say it differently. We need to be careful that we're not loony tune Christians. We need to have a stability and an integrity and a, a strength about us and an authenticity about us that the world can't deny. And so they listen to what we have to say Jesus said you are the light of the world you are the light of the world let your light so shine before men, that I may see your good deeds and praise your father in heaven little boy was sitting in church with his mum one day and, and he looked up and he saw the stained glass you know the stained glass windows just like we have here and so he said to his mum, and we don't have saints in ours. So he said, so who are they? <laughs> who are those people in those glass stained windows?" And of course his mum said, "Well, you know, they're the saints. They're the saints." Oh, and he goes, "Ah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The saints are the ones that let the light in. You and I are saints." and we let the light in to us and we're like windows that let the light out as well to others and I can't imagine anything higher anything greater in our hands we have an enormous um, opportunity to influence for good we are the light Of the world, we can make an eternal difference to people around us. We can quite literally change the world. And as they see this attraction and the integrity of our lives, they will be attracted to Jesus. And isn't that what we want? Isn't that what we want? I'll leave you with this verse and it's um, in Philippians 2 and verse 15 and it's from the message and I think the message says it really well. And let this be perhaps a benediction for us today as we go out. Go out into the world uncorrupted. A breath of fresh air in this squalid and polluted society. Provide people with a, gim- a glimpse of good living and of the living God. Carry the light giving message into the night. Amen.